Scripture passage is Philippians 1.27. And uh, so if you have your Bible open to that, we'll be looking at that here. Philippians 1.27. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a worthy manner of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. You may be seated. My son graduated from high school 10 years ago, and... uh, as, as I stop to think about it, it's kind of hard for me to believe that a whole decade has passed, but it has. And uh, he spent one year here in Derby at Sunrise Christian High School, and the other three years of high school he, he uh, spent in Elkhart. So he's kept up a little bit with his graduates here, but really those kids in high school in Elkhart, when he was a freshman, a sophomore, and junior, are the one that he kind of knows the most. And there were about 35 in his total graduating class. So that was not a very big school. But uh, so he really, only 35 kids, you kind of get to know everyone by name. And you almost remember them through the years. And so he's kind of followed these kids now that you know you've got Facebook and email and all this kind of stuff going on. And uh, just about all 35 kids, he's he's been able to kind of check up on and find out what they're doing, where they've been, and what's going on in their lives. Now, remember that 10 years have passed. And as he shares things with me, uh, since that was a little tiny town we lived in, I remember most of those kids, too. And he'll tell me about these kids, and I'll I'll say, oh, wow, really, they're doing that? And, oh, wow. And so he shared with me just this last week some of those kids. Some are married. uh, Some have children. Some are single. One is already divorced. Uh, Some have gone on to college, gotten a degree. Some are uh, pursuing a master's degree and working on one. Some have gone into the military. Uh, Some have already gone to the military, served, and they're back home. And some live in Elkhart. They're farming. Uh, One or two lives in California. One lives in Texas. Another one or two lives in Missouri and and, uh, all different states and cities. And uh, some have written on Facebook, my son says, in a way that seems to indicate they must be Christians. Some of the things that they would, they would mention there on, on uh, Facebook. One of them is a declared agnostic right there on Facebook page. Uh, some of them still write, some out of these 35, as if they are still in high school, the partying stories and stuff that they still put on Facebook page at the age of 28 and 29. A few have been in trouble with the law. One has declared that he has taken up an alternative lifestyle and lives in San Francisco. But the 10 years have come and gone so fast. And like I say, as I think about it, 10 years, son, no, you're not that old. But he is. 10 years. And so, graduates, as I look at you this morning, you're at that spot. 10 years ago... My son was there. Ten years ago, he was there. Ten years from now, you'll be where he is now. And uh, um, you've lived under your parents' roof for these years growing up. Now, I know that these recent years, you've really tested your parents, and you've really indicated, Mom and Dad, I can do it now. 
And uh, your parents have slowly been letting that grip go from you to let you do your own thing and make your own decisions. And, and that's a natural part of growing up. Did you know that there is, a, there is a healthy rebellion for children to go through? It means that they are really saying, I want to grow up, I want to make my decisions, I want to make my mistakes, and so on. There's a healthy part of rebellion. It's a part of growing up and becoming an adult. There's an unhealthy part of rebellion, but you've been living under your parents' roof. And you're at that time now you want to spread your wings and fly. So you're at this critical juncture in your life, and it really is more critical than you can ever imagine. Hear that. Listen to me. It is. And uh, so now you're, you're at this time of we call kind of cutting the apron springs. Apron strings. You're out on your own. But I wonder 10 years from now if Facebook is still around, and uh, I guess you can buy stock in Facebook now. But anyway, if Facebook is still around, what kind of pictures will people be looking at when it tells the story about your life? What kind of blogging, what kind of write-ups when your friends 10 years from now look to see what Doyle and Cliff and Alicia and Jeremy and Melissa, what are they into? What are they doing? Where have they been? And where do they live? What is your story going to tell 10 years from now? Well, you're going to make the decision, and my heart goes out to you. It really does. This, this is a, a serious, critical important moment in your life. More than you can imagine. And my heart goes out to you, and I hope that in 10 years, people look at your Facebook page and they say, he did well. She did well. I hope that. What advice do I have to give? Well, you know I'm going to get to God's Word because I'm a man of the Word, right? And as we get to God's Word... Think of it this morning as, as if you were to, to seek out the best Internet site you could possibly go to, the best reference work you could, you could possibly go to, the greatest wisdom the world has ever put out, and we've lived 6,000 years now, where would you find it? Well, it's in this. It's in this. And so we go to God's Word, and we go to the Apostle Paul, one verse, who was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the very breath and mind and heart of God in giving advice. And let's see what the Apostle Paul would say. And it's simply this. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Let's look at that a minute. Here's the first thing we notice. Paul says, Whatever happens. You know, what is Paul saying? He's saying life is full of surprises. Whatever happens. Paul is saying you don't know what's coming up. None of us do. Whatever happens. Let's look at that for a moment. Now, we do not believe in using the crystal ball, tarot cards, um, uh, fortune tellers, anybody who... For, you know, says, I can tell you the future. We don't believe in that kind of stuff. 
God condemns it in his word. And so we don't practice that. We don't do it. We don't believe in it. It is forbidden. And so we do not know the future. And so there are surprises that await us all. And Paul himself talked about surprises in life. Paul talked about going on this mission, this trip. He had it all planned out with his companions. And they were to go such and such a place and such and such a place. And they got about halfway through their trip and all of a sudden they couldn't go where they'd planned to go on their trip. Things change like that in life. One door closes, another door opens. And whatever happens, Paul was talking about that. In our lives and in Paul's life, he faced tragic and crisis events in his life. He was shipwrecked. He faced snakes, not expecting it. He went for times when he was hungry. He went for times in poverty. He was put in jail. He was, he was uh, all kinds of things like that in life. Paul was a very successful Jew, a Pharisee. He was a very learned man. He was probably, no doubt, a wealthy man. He was looked up to by many people. He was respected, but he chose Christ, and all of a sudden, he just plummeted. I mean, all of a sudden, nobody respected Paul. They hunted him down. So he knew what it was like to be famous, successful. He knew what it was like to experience the downfall. But then he knew what it was like to, again, have fame as a follower of Christ and as writing most of the New, New Testament in terms of number of books. Paul knew all of that. Paul knew what it was like to be liked, to be hated, to be falsely accused, to be hunted down like an animal, to be put in prison. Paul knew what it was like to, to experience the, the health conditions that come upon our bodies and we begin to experience things we don't want anymore. And uh, maybe it was blindness. We don't know what it was, but Paul knew what it was like in life to face ailing health. And Paul knew what it was like to, to go out in life and be put in a predicament to where he doesn't know in the next week, am I going to be alive or not? Think about that. Am I going to live or not? You see, for all of us, we live in that realm, that reality that Paul talks about. Whatever happens, you do not know what life will bring up. Whatever happens, that simply brings, we, we do not know. We plan it out. We work towards a goal. But there are so many twists and turns that come up. And that is life, and that is what Paul is talking about when he says whatever happens. And nobody can predict the next ten years. Not one of you, not one of us knows hardly anything that's coming up the next ten years. That doesn't mean that I suggest you don't plan at all. That doesn't mean, well, okay, since I don't know, I believe you should plan. My wife and I got married in 79, and she's from Oregon, and that's over 2,000 miles away by car. So we get married. The next fall, it's time to go back out to see Mama and Papa and so on. And so in going to Oregon that next fall in October, we had to get out the maps and plan the trip. That's long before MapQuest came along and GPS and all that stuff. That's long before a lot of other things came along. We did not have a credit card. Debit cards were not even heard of. 
at a checkbook, but when you get out of your locale, although all those other towns don't want your checks, they want cash. So in planning a trip like that, we had to plan it out. How much is it going to cost? And and to think of all these things, motels along the way, how many miles, how many miles per gallon do we get? And and will there be any any things we need to maybe incur along the way, extra uh, meals and everything? So we plan it all out. Here's the way we're going to go. Here's the map. Here's the towns we're going to stop in, get a motel. And uh, those were the days before we even knew what motels were in towns. I suppose we could have found that out. But we just, we'll get to such and such a town. We'll look for a motel and... You know, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I know that sounds so foreign to you young people today. You know, it's like, how did you go somewhere? No credit card. No cell phone at all. I mean, it was, this was in the pioneer days. <laughs> and so we plan out our trip. We estimate the costs. Add a little bit for, you know, things that might come up along the way. And the overall plan it was simply this. Get from Olathe, Kansas to Medford, Oregon, 2,100 miles away, in three days, and so on. Were there any surprises? Oh, my. The first night, we were in Denver. That worked out fine. Stayed at a cousin's home, got up the next morning, the car was dead. And uh, I think that cousin, I don't know what we did, but I think he was trying to get rid of us. He pushed us down the hill. The car started. (laughs) We were on our way. For the next day. Then we come into Salt Lake City, experience a blowout, spend the night there, a snowstorm coming into Salt Lake City in, in October. Uh, the next morning, then um, uh, not only a blowout the night before, then the next morning a flat, and then the dead battery again. And uh, so many things came along, and then changing our route a day or two later because of snow in the mountains, going a different way. Um, buying tire chains to be prepared and an extra night of motel, extra money, and so on. You see, we plan the trip, and you are to plan your life, think it out. And, and as I've talked to you, I think even though Cliff won't say he's planned his life, I think he knows a little bit what's, what he wants to do. You're planning your trip, but let me tell you, there's going to be surprises. It's a way of life. Whatever happens. And so in the next 10 years, you need to keep a diary because you would love it. 10 years from now, look back through that diary and and, uh, look at the surprises that came along in your life. You'll be astounded. It happens. Look at this, number two. So number one, whatever happens. Now we look at the rest of what Paul says He says, take up the holy life, God's purposes and calling for you. He he puts it this way, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. See, I don't know where you are with God this morning. And I'm talking to you as congregation. But there's really kind of three options. Actually, there's two, but I'm going to break it down into three options. The first one is... A total submission to Christ. And I think um, Alicia's there. I say that because I've, I've watched her life and I've felt her heart in spiritual things. 
And I think in her life, Alicia says, I, I want to follow God. I want to put Him first. That's, that's the ultimate goal, the ultimate issue in my life. And when you're in this total submission to Christ phase of your life, that by no means means you live a perfect life, that you don't have uh, surprises, things come along, that you would like to redo whatever, but it means... Overall, as, as David was, King David, and the Bible describes him as a man with a heart after God, total submission to Christ means that's really what I want. And as I wake up each day, I look to God and I align myself with God and I determine this day to the best of my ability, I submit to Christ. Now, you can, that is one option in life. Another option is what I call the half-on, half-off. That's where you know, you know you need to do it, and part of the time you do it, but there are some other times where it's, where it's just so much easier not to do it, you know. And so you're kind of half-on with God. You're kind of half-off with God, and uh, it's kind of a yo-yo life. You know, it's kind of this up and down. And uh, it, it, it just, it, it's not all the way there. You know it's the thing you need to do. It's, it's a thing that at times you get excited about it and you'll do it. But other times when it's just kind of easier, when it just comes a little more naturally to, to kind of do your own thing, you do that. Half on, half off. The third option is where a person just basically says, well, God, I, I, I may believe in all that stuff. I may know all that stuff is right. But right now, I'm doing my thing. So the third option is basically self is in control. I make the shots. I choose the options. I do what I want to do. And I suppose it would be safe to say that majority of people choose that route that way. Well, let's, let's look then. Of these three options, what lies ahead for you on each of these options? What, what can you look at? Well, first of all, if you have chosen total submission to Christ, here's what I would say to you first, and Jesus would tell you right off, right off the top of everything, okay, it's not going to be easy. In fact, you're going to be in the minority Jesus will be totally honest with you. He will say to you, wide is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So there you are. Total submission gives to God. It says, my goal, my aim, my decision is to have you be the Lord of my life. You be my rabbi. You're the one I'm going to follow around. You're the one I'm going to look to. You're the one. And, and you know the thing is, when we, when we describe this, don't make the mistake of thinking, okay, if you give Christ everything in your life, wow, you'll never get to make any more decisions. Life must get kind of dull. You know, it's really the opposite. When... When we submit ourselves totally to Christ, all kinds of choices and options come up. 
It's exciting. The, the good thing about it is, though, as we're considering all the choices and options, there's this still small voice that says, here's the good one. And we choose that one, and we find excitement and joy and peace and all the other blessings God can put in our lives. So don't get the idea at all, okay, if I submit to Christ, this is, this is going to be boring and, and dull and unexciting. Oh, no. I can give you a ton of stories of people that have totally submitted to Christ. They can tell you this has been the most exciting road trip I've ever been on. Total submission to Christ. What can you expect? Every promise in the Bible you can claim. How many are there? I can't remember. Over 2,000, I think. Every promise in the Bible you can claim if you submit to Christ. Sleep and rest at night because you have made peace with God. You ever have those times in life where you just you can't quite figure something out? But you go to bed at night and the Spirit of God comes up next to you and says, okay, you need your sleep. Just give it to me. God does that if we let him. Still small voice of God will say, I'll take it. You get your sleep, okay? I'll take the worries for the night. And he will. I like that. In the whatever happens parts of your life, God will be with you. Well, I, I kind of like that, don't you? Total submission to Christ. Now let's get back to that Oregon trip. Oh, I could talk all day about that Oregon trip, but let's just say a few things about the Oregon trip. We did get the push from my cousin down the hill to get us out of his town in Denver. Got that situated. But the next night we're coming into Salt Lake City. It's getting dark. The snow is falling. And we're driving on a multi-lane interstate highway coming into Salt Lake City, I think about five lanes. I'm in the middle lane. There's a semi on one side. There's a car on the other side. And I'm driving along, and all of a sudden there is a cement block right there in the highway. Do you remember that? She won't forget that. And I'm driving, and I cannot swerve right or left. I cannot do anything but hit that block in a little pin, Mercury Pinto, which was a, or no, Bobcat, Mercury Bobcat, which was the same as a Ford Pinto. They're not much bigger than a Cooper car. And we hit that block and immediately have a blowout on busy traffic going into nighttime Salt Lake City. And the first miracle God takes care of is in the whatever happens is he gets us over onto the shoulder. We change the tire. We get on into Salt Lake City, find our motel. There's the first miracle. Go to sleep that night and, and uh, wake up the next morning, and there's a flat. So probably uh, one tire had to blow out, the other tire probably whatever happened. And the tire, uh, so we have the flat. So I, I take it to get the flat fixed. That worked, but I've got to get a spare now because my blowout, I don't have a spare. So somehow, this is, this is the most freaky thing you've ever heard. We're at a motel, but somehow I meet a man who lives next door to the motel, and he's got some tires in his garage, and one of them is exactly the tire I needed.
for $5. However, I take the rim and the tire end of the filling station. The guy says, well, I'm not putting that on your rim. Well, why not? Well, your rim's bent. And it was. It had a blowout that hit the cement block. So I'm thinking to myself, we don't have relatives in Salt Lake City. I don't have a cell phone. Never heard of them at that time. What am I going to do? I began to pray, and I went back to the neighbor that sold me the tire. I said, do you have a big hammer? Yeah, I do. So I began to beat that rim out and miraculously beat the rim back out, took it to another filling station. They put my tire on. We're ready to go. However, the battery's dead. <laughs> and it was deader than, than anything. So I find out there's a Sears half mile away. I carry my battery to Sears. I get a new battery, get the battery on. So all that's taken care of, okay? Paul says whatever happens in life. We planned out our trip. You plan out your life. But whatever happens comes along, doesn't it? When you live for God, what happens? God's always there. God always has answers. God's always watching you. And we did that. So we get on our way. We did have to spend an extra night along the way because of all the time we lost. And so we're money behind once we get to Oregon. Remember, no credit cards, no debit cards, but a good mother-in-law and uh, provided for us. Let's look at the sec second option. What if I am half on, half off? What kind of life can I have if I live life that way? There again, it's a yo-yo, right? If you were a yo-yo, wouldn't you get a headache? I wouldn't like that existence. When you're half on, half off with God, it really is exactly the same thing. Frustrating. Sleepless nights. When the whatever happens comes along and, and you're kind of in one of those down modes with the Lord and you haven't been living for Him, it's kind of tough to call on Him all of a sudden, isn't it? We do. But it's kind of like, I don't know, God, about this. I don't feel good about this because I really have kind of been ignoring you. It's not a good way to do it. And uh, it's frustrating, sleepless nights. You won't get that feeling at night. Lord, I've got this whatever situation in my life, and I'd like to roll it off over to you, but I just don't, I just, I'm, I'm not there, am I? The yo-yo life doesn't work. What about the third option? Self is in control. Everybody encounters crises in life. Everybody encounters tragedy. But it is especially fearful for those who have not called upon the Lordship of Christ in their lives. It's not good. You know, insurance is a good thing to have. I know it's expensive, but I know those people hit in a tornado recently that had insurance are thankful they had it. Many of you that have had hail come along and your roof has been damaged, you've been very thankful you've had it. Any of you that ever have had major surgery, heart operation, or those kind of things, you've been pretty thankful you had that life insurance, right? It's, it's good stuff. You know, when, when you submit to Christ, isn't that about the best insurance 
you could possibly have. It is. I don't know what Facebook will say about you in 10 years. My prayer this morning is that when people read it, they will go, wow, look what he's done. Look what she's done. Look at their testimony. But I want to do something if I can find it. I've got it here. Just for fun this morning in our Sunday school class, and I told the class I'm going to keep their names anonymous. But I asked my Sunday school class, I said, when you were graduating from high school, what was going on in your life? Where were you at? What, what were the things that were facing you? What were your aspirations, your goals? One lady graduated from Blue Valley High School here in Kansas said, well, when I graduated, um, I had an alcoholic father and a, and a mother and a, another sister, and I had to take care of them when I was 18 years old. Think about that. Another lady was one of 14 children. She didn't finish high school the normal age. She had to work and do some other things. And three years later, she graduated at Waterville High School here in Kansas. Another woman uh, graduated from Watonga, Oklahoma High School, went then to American Business College and... uh, Later met her husband, who graduated from Conway Springs High School, who grew up on a farm, who then decided, I want to work at Boeing, went to Boeing and pleaded his case for a job and gave him a job, and he worked that job till retirement. Another fella graduated with 1,000 classmates, West High School here in Wichita, the Biggest class ever from any uh, graduating class in the Wichita area before Northwest High School came along. And uh, another lady graduated from Derby High School. Another gentleman, um, oh, wait a minute. Three of these people also, earlier in their schooling, went to one-room schoolhouses. Um, I don't teach the young adults. Anyway, um, (laughs) another gentleman graduated at Lewis, Kansas, and uh, went and did summer farm work all summer, hard work out in the fields, harvesting, and then went to Bethany Nazarene College, got a teaching degree, and uh, his wife graduated at Aaron, Tennessee, a place where they wear no shoes or socks. And, uh, no, they do. And uh, went on to a two-year school, graduated, went on and taught a year at a school, then went to Bethany Nazarene College and and married. And it was just kind of neat. We shared about high school graduation because you guys are right there this morning. Hope we haven't bored you. But it's important. You're at that age. And what I'd like for us to do as we close this morning is I'd like for the three of you to come back forward and, um, and your parents or relatives, however many want to represent you, come. And I'd like for you to kneel at the altar 
and a parent to be right behind you or whatever relatives want to come. And um, let's do it this way. Let's put, uh, Doyle, let's put you over here. And uh, Alicia, can I put you right here and Cliff right here on the end and have your families come and represent you behind them. And we're going to pray for you this morning in closing. It's wonderful to see families here today with these kids. And the rest of you, you be in prayer as, as we pray for each one, will you? And you know, it wouldn't hurt. If, if the rest of you want to come, you come too. However many want to come. You, you know these kids, many of you. And uh, if you want to, if somebody comes, the rest of you won't feel so conspicuous, you'll come and represent. There you go. Okay. All right. Let's, let's bow our heads as we pray this morning. Father, we, we come to this time every year and the church here has really had some special kids through the years, all of them. And we've grown to know them and to love them and to feel for them and put time in them and their lives. And, and again, we come to that moment this morning. And so now we want to pray for each one of them. We think of Doyle here, Lord, and how fun it's been getting to know him and learn from him so much he knows about farming and different things in life and tractors and animals and the crops and, and what a joy it's been to, to know him. Lord, he's going off to welding school. You know all about that. You know his path that is coming up. You know his heart. You know his mind. You know where he's at. We pray, Father, that in these days to come that your spirit would hover around him. That, Lord, godly influences will, will come upon his life. That all of the things he has heard growing up about you, about the godly way, Lord, will be things that will come back to him again and again. And, Lord, will give him direction in all that he does. We covet and we pray, Lord, that that he would uh, submit himself to you and follow in those steps that would put you first. And in 10 years from now, Lord, it would be a time he could look back and say, these 10 years have been the greatest years of my life. So touch him and pray with, pray, be with him, Lord, and guide him in his life, we pray. Lord, we, we pray for Alicia now, and we thank you so much for her and her life and her determination to follow you and serve you and love you and listen to you and put you first. And that's just been a real joy. It's been a joy to get to know her family and to know about her interest in life and, and so on. And Lord, we just pray today that you will be with her in a very special way in these days to come. We know that she's looked to you for guidance for tomorrow and pray, Lord, that your voice would be clear to her 
continue to guide her, direct her, encourage her. And may she find likewise, Lord, in, in the next 10 years, a multitude of blessings and wonderful things in her life. And Lord, we pray for Cliff. And it seems like just yesterday he was that little boy that came to church, but now he's a grown man. And he's encountered a lot of things in life already. He has matured along the way. He's learned things along the way. And Lord, he's been in your house many, many times. And we pray that, that all the things, Lord, that you have put in his mind and in his heart and in his memory that have to do with you and have to do with the righteous way, Lord, will follow him and uh, not get away from him. We pray in these years to come, Lord, these 10 years, that, that he will find guidance in you and direction and the peace that only you can give. And Lord, likewise, that in 10 years, as he would look back on his life, he would say, I'm so thankful, I'm so thankful I followed that light that God put in my life. So we pray that you would be with him. We pray for our other graduates this morning, Lord, that weren't able to be here, for Melissa and Jeremy and, and uh, Lauren and Lane. And we pray likewise for their lives, Lord, that, that your light would shine brightly, that their spirit, Lord, would connect with yours, and that they would give everything they have to you and follow you in all that they do. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen.